Warning, we're going to be discussing events for currently running weekly anime. If you want to avoid spoilers for certain shows, there are timestamps in the description. Hey everybody, and welcome back to the TimeSync Anime Podcast. This is week three of spring 2019. I'm your host, Jay, and this is my co-host, Rex. Hello, welcome back. Welcome back. So, it's been a pretty... a pretty slow but solid start i think to a kind of a just laid back season which is about what i expected from spring to be totally honest yeah we've pretty much talked about this already but um yeah not not a whole lot of crazy good shows yeah a lot of it, it was hard to beat winter Let, let's be totally honest yeah here. it was pretty it strong was really hard to beat winter yeah but, and um even harder to beat the was it the fall yeah fall the last what comes I'm going to sound really stupid. Fall comes before winter, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because fall had the finale of Banana Fish, and we've already discussed Banana Fish in the past. The yeah. Banana Fish was an amazing show. More Among people a should... lot of other good stuff. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so enough of that. The spring 2019, week three. So let's start off with news for this week. Rex? Uh, so first up, we got the uh, Spice and Wolf VR anime thing that's going to be coming out soon uh, well, they, they they announced it's going to be coming out on uh, june 3rd i actually remember hearing about that wasn't that like they kind of pushed back the release date because like holo's tail physics or whatever weren't cute enough or something yeah, like that <laughs> they they were originally gonna release it earlier on it was like really early 2019 it was when they were planning on releasing it but yeah the the dev came out and said like yeah the the tails the the tail physics on holo are not cute enough the ears aren't reacting the way we want to because originally just put they just put in a physics engine and then everything was supposed to react based off of that but now they're going in and hand animating every single situation yeah manually that sounds like a lot of that sounds like it'll be a lot of work but at the same time my stance on delaying stuff is like games especially has always been this I'm all for delays in games as long as A, it's not too long, and B, it serves as, like, quality of life functions. Yeah, exactly. I, I totally agree with that, 100%. I would, I would much rather have a game that took a little bit while, uh, took a little while to be, like, polished up and released, rather than a half-finished game where it just didn't work. Like, a good example of that was Hello Neighbor, for instance. Oh, God, yeah. Hello Neighbor, like, <laughs> I, that actually was a game I was person. I did not buy Hello Neighbor, just for the record, but... That was a game I was super excited for. It seemed really interesting, but they released it, and it was just a glitchy Yeah, it mess. was not done. It was not a finished game. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was bad. Uh, it, but it, this uh, Spice and Wolf game is going to be available on uh, HTC Vive, Oculus Rift, and Oculus Go. I have an HTC Vive, and I already have a friend who's buying this on Steam, mm-hmm. so I'm just going to play it off of their Steam yeah. account. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. There's like a, there's like a story mode. Where you go through kind of like a um, visual novel, mm. but you're actually, I mean, it's just kind of, you're not really playing as anyone, I think. You're just there. Mm. Uh, and then there's also just a virtual touch mode uh. where you just get a play with your ears or, or, or something like that. Now, yeah, it looks pretty cool. It, if only, if only they could make you live the sensation of actually petting a wolf girl's ears, yeah, like, and actually make you feel like, oh my god, she's so fluffy. It's the future. Yeah, it is the future. So next up, we got uh, Netflix is producing a new sci-fi anime, original anime, four episodes long, called Eden. Hmm. Uh, it, I, I don't really know anything about the plot, really. It just showed two robots holding a little girl's hand in the picture. But it's going to be directed by uh, 
Yasuhiro Irie, otherwise known as the guy who directed Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Oh, among other interesting. things, but that's the the most notable thing. Did, what, was he also in charge of directing the original Full Metal Alchemist, or was no. that a different director? Okay, different guy. Yeah. So because I know that it was produced by the same studio, they were both produced by Studio Bones, just at different times. But, okay. uh, yeah, different director. Yeah, that's really cool. Really I think ha- probably. Uh, yeah, don't quote us on that. If, <laughs> if we screwed up, leave a comment. We will we will probably make mention of that in a future video. Uh, but yeah, I have high hopes for this. Uh, a lot of Netflix original stuff has been pretty kick-ass. Uh, uh, Castlevania. Devilman. Uh, Devilman, Castlevania. Um, was Sirius the Yeager Netflix produced? Um, it was produced by Netflix, but yeah, I mean, it was like, uh, it was only released in America, like, a, a little while ago. But yeah, it was distributed by netflix at the very least yeah. um that then we've also got carol on tuesday which i am so upset we can't talk yeah, about that show. yeah i know everyone's like, like watching so uh like giguk is posting about it because he can watch it because he's in uh he lives in england doesn't it? Yeah. yeah and everywhere except for america you yeah. can just watch it one episode at a time on netflix you know because the way that it should be but exactly. because we live in a dumbass american culture. but even yeah uh looks pretty cool i'm definitely gonna check it out very good uh last up we got uh the first trailer for rascal does not dream of dreaming girl oh um i don't know i don't think have you seen it yet i haven't seen the trailer for it yet oh. no but um it's the movie for uh rascal does not dream of bunny girl senpai yeah it's uh it's gonna adapt for those of you guys who don't know it's gonna be adapting the sixth and seventh uh volume of the light novels which is following uh, more about Shoko. Mm. Uh, Shoko Makinohara, the uh, the girl who we saw in his past oh, on the beach. the girl who may or may not be real. Yeah, the, and then she came back as like a little girl yeah, later so on. Basically, basically like the, the possible figment of imagina- of his imagination that has kind of like uh, kick-started everything, like his philosophy and life and stuff like that, and his quote-unquote first person he ever fell in love with. Yeah, so I think it's just... They're they're adapting her character arc just in the in in the form of a a film, essentially. Because we had all, all the other character arcs were just like one or two episodes or whatever. Uh, somewhere I'd say more in the range of like three four episodes, but yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, Bunny Girl Senpai was definitely a show like we've talked about. It was definitely a show that we kind of regret not watching. Yeah, it slipped under the airing. radar. Um, yeah. mostly because it's just the. I think I just didn't see anybody talking about it until like week four or five. Yeah, and it just it was something that we had kind of we had just didn't really talk about. And by the time it and by the time we decided to watch it, it was already over. So yeah. there was really no point in talking about it. So, so yeah, long story short, if you haven't seen the show yet, I both of us highly recommend watching it. Um, it it's it's good for pretty much anybody. Like, yeah, it's, it's got comedy. It's got drama. It's uh, yeah. I guess not not really if you're not a lot of not action. a lot of action, yeah. but it but it's Except the time we kick the guy in the dick. Yeah, it's uh this is probably a comparison that has been done to death. It's very monogatari esque. Yeah. Except not nearly it's monogatari without it's not, all the shaftism. It's not nearly as wordy as yeah. monogatari is. But it but in terms of like uh but in terms of like story structure and stuff like that, it's very similar to monogatari. Like supernatural problems like that are kind of related to real world like problems but manifest in a supernatural manner yeah. it's really fascinating i really enjoyed it and yeah. so so if you've uh if you haven't seen the series go watch it if you have uh definitely look forward to this movie and i yeah. hope we get a stateside release yeah i hope we also get a stateside release so anyway on to the shows first up bungo stray dog season well three. uh first of all oh yes right tag on titan 
So we've already we've already know that it's not going to be coming out for a while. Another nine days from now, so uh, April 29th, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, April yeah. 29th at midnight or something like that. So yeah, basically it's going to be it's going to be a sort of late release, but that is definitely a show we are going to be talking about. Yeah, that, that's the show we're going to be following for the rest of the season. Yeah, it's it's just kind of a it's a series that we've already talked about. We already know that. A, it's a popular show, and B, it's one that we both like. Yeah, so, it's same studio, same team, everything, so it's so, going to be good. Yeah, so there's it, there's really no point in not talking about it. So we're just going to clear the water right there. We are going to be talking about Attack on <laughs> Titan. If you guys are going to be watching that, then... Be, then we look at then we look forward to talking about it we look forward to seeing you guys talk about it um until then until then we will have to wait another nine days it's a little annoying that it's so late in the season when it gave me like premieres. a mini heart attack for a second because when you're like until then i'm like oh wait is the episode over mm. <laughs> <laughs> this is like what we say at the end of the episode like, oh fuck did i just have a mini stroke and the episode ended uh, yeah like all of a sudden it just sort of like yeah. fast forward like king crimson made like yeah. time dilate <laughs> or something anyway uh, so, first off, Bungo Stray Dogs Season 3. It's more Bungo Stray Dogs. Like... Yeah, it's uh, the flashbackier flashback that ever flashbacked. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I love seeing how young Dazai is still a sassy asshole. Yeah, young Dazai is still a sassy asshole. Um... I would say even more of a sassy asshole. Because yeah. like, uh, as an, uh, an adult, or young adult, he's sassy, but he's kind of sassy in a mischievous way. Mm. Uh, when he's a kid, he's just a fucking asshole. Yeah, so here's the thing that I noticed a little bit about Dazai. So when he was a, so when he was young, before he even became an executive to the Port Mafia, yeah, he was incredibly sassy in the, um, uh, but when he was an, when he actually became an executive, he became less sassy and yeah. just more downright sadistic. It's true, yeah. Like he kind of just became more of a complete psychopath. Um, but then he started he kind of re-entered that sassiness when he left the mafia. But, uh, but yeah, I don't really know. It's a really interesting character progression to be, to be sure. Like he kind of, it's sort of like he started off with a sort of a stage of arrested development, but then he had to go really quickly. So, and then he had to mature really quickly considering all the shit he had to do in the kind of world he lives in. Yeah. And then he was able to sort of go back. It's kind of similar to, uh, to train Hartnett from Black Cat, if you've ever seen that before. No. So, basic idea is that Train Hartnett is an assassin. Uh, he was, and then he eventually wanted out of that life. And then when he got out of that life, finally, he sort of mellowed out and became was able to be like a mm -hmm. kid. So yeah, I can see that. It's so it's kind of like that. Um, Chuya is a lot of fun to watch. Oh, Young yeah. Chuya is hysterical. I I didn't expect him to be so. Um such like a a, a leader yeah because uh i think he's he's supposed to be the leader of the kind of ghetto area that it was built in mm -hmm. that crater yeah he's like he and it seems like he never he didn't start off as the leader is the thing like yeah and, and like he kind of was just quote-unquote adopted by the sheep and, and then he it was probably guilt too yeah because by the end of the episode we learned that um Spoiler warning, by the by. <laughs> if you're listening to this, you've watched it. Yeah. Uh, Chuya uh, is the... Arahabaki, uh, Arahabaki, I think. The, the, the monster that went out of control. Which I actually thought... Which we had actually seen that, and like after like seeing that reveal, I was like, oh, that actually makes a degree of sense. Like, because... And they sort of, like... Re like, I hadn't really put two and two together, but the clues were there. Like, because we'd seen 
in the previous season that Chuya, if he let his powers go out of control, then he became like ridiculously powerful yeah, he and just starts tearing shit up. So it, I was like, oh, okay, that's was actually really cool. Yeah, it, it looks like definitely that's that's something he became because no one could stop him. Maybe original, maybe um, well, no, Dazai probably didn't stop him originally. Yeah. Uh, but it, yeah, it definitely looks like that's what would happen if Dazai didn't intervene. Yeah, like when, in the fight against Lovecraft in season two. Yeah, that that definitely seems like to be the most likely scenario. Like he, like Dazai, like it seems that Chuya only is able to go into that state if he wills it at a certain point. Like, and I think it has something to do with taking his hands out of his pockets too. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's a really bizarre thing, but yeah, now that you yeah. mention it, he almost always does have his hand in his pockets, like in the scene when all those dudes had machine guns and stuff. He just was, like, flying around well, with well, hands and, in his pockets. Well, uh, and Dazai specifically brought up, like, why do you always have your hands in your pockets? And Chuya is very avoiding yeah. of the question. Um, <laughs> Speaking of just Dazai a little bit, like, when, uh, when after he gets... For one thing, Chuya has the ability is apparently bulletproof in the sense that he's very much like Accelerator in the sense that he can basically like stop the bullets from hitting him and then redirect them at the person who fired. Uh, well, I think it's yeah, it's kind of like vector manipulation, but it's it's gravity. It's gravity, yeah. Like he's making he's like okay, gravity is this way now, so he's mm. pointing gravity towards them. Yeah, it's it's similar, but it's not exactly the same. But the idea is bullets cannot hurt him. Yeah, as long as he's aware of it i don't think it activates automatically yeah it's not like accelerator who yeah. is just overpowered because okay, as soon as they touch him then he can use his gift yep. to change the gravity on and yeah he managed to make one of the guys get shot by it and then dazai like pulls out a pistol he's like i can imagine this is going to be very painful for you for several minutes <laughs> now do you want just if you might as well tell me if you want if you want to die just shoot me but then he just proceeds to shoot him like 50 times yeah I love that little um, kind of trade he goes off onto by himself as he's walking away. He's like, yeah, that's that's probably the right thing to think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's yeah. probably right. <laughs> it's just, God, yeah. he, he was really fucked up when he was young. I mean, he's still fucked up, but... I think he's a lot better. Yeah. He has, like, friends and everything. Yeah, as I, and as I've said before, like, is a fascinating character because he's a... He's a horrible person trying his damnedest to be a good person, I think. And... With some degree of difficulty, because old yeah. habits die hard. I think my my favorite, or probably one of my favorite scenes in this episode, was Dazai investigating the Port Mafia guy. I, ta- whose name I don't remember. Yeah, I'm telling him, it's, it's like, yeah, I figured, I figured everything out, and you just hear... It's <laughs> <laughs> a fucking Chuya kicking through the window. <laughs> it reminds me of that scene from uh, from Dragon Ball Z Abridged, like uh, when they it was in the fight between the androids, like uh, eighteen and nineteen, or I don't remember uh, the the kind of like old guy and uh, the fat one, like, and you just hear like Vegeta off screen just going mine, 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 mine. <laughs> it reminded me exactly like that. I'm like, okay, that was absolutely hilarious. Like comedic timing on that was just spot on, and. This show it does like is able to handle a bunch of different things really well, like act like really good action scenes, like really good tragedy at times, and then on top of that, hilarious comedy when it's when it's appropriate, like yeah, the scene with Chuya flying through the window, um, yeah, and they just kind of immediately snapped back to serious after that because um, Chuya revealed like yes, I am the, uh, the I am one. the Arabaki, and then I, I think that's where the episode cuts off. Yeah, and yeah, that was where we were like, so it looks like we're gonna oh. have either 
one or two more episodes, I'm assuming, of a flashback until we get back to uh, yeah, back, I would back say, to the ranch. I would say uh, probably two more episodes because uh, that was how long the Dazai flashback yeah. in season two was, four episodes, which I have no problem with. The Dazai flashbacks are always fascinating at the very least. Yeah. And, like, they were... Like, in this one, I wouldn't say is ha- is as of right now as impactful, but I imagine there's going to be, like, some huge, like, emotional payoff for it, kind of explaining a little bit more about Dazai and maybe even a little bit more about Chuya, because we get to find out maybe what made him who he is and why he was so... and why he became one of the Mafia's most dangerous people, because that was a big thing about his character. He hates the Port Mafia, yet he... and he kind of resents the fact that he's being forced to work with them. Yeah. Uh, I love the, the 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 bit where they're at the arcade oh and God. he's trying to hide from his friends and he's like, Julia son, <laughs> why are you hiding over there in that corner?" And then and then like when the uh, when his friends pull a knife on uh, Dazai and Dazai is all pretending <laughs> to be scared. Oh no! And then but he pulls out his phone and just says, "Yeah, yeah release them." Smooth AF. Yeah, da- Dazai is great. Dazai mm. is a great character. So next up is Demon Slayer. We got the the training arc of one episode, which um, so I, I know you were saying that you you normally hate this stuff, like yes. where they just kind of this is what happened or whatever. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was it was a really good example of how to do a like a kind of expos- a, a time lapse. Yeah, time. It, it was a like. Let me explain exactly what I usually dislike. So the majority of this episode was like a uh, was sort of like kind of the main character narrating over the events of his training, which normally I hate because like in animation, and this is what happened. And because in (laughs) animation, I'd much rather just see the events unfold on the screen because you know, it's a visual medium that makes sense. But I was able to kind of stomach it a little bit more here because it was written through the perspective of him writing in his journal every night. And I'm like, okay, I can actually forgive that. That's a, Pretty yeah. novel way of going about it. That that combined with just the pacing was really yeah. solid, too. Yeah, because uh, we were able to go through two years of training in a single episode, but it didn't feel particularly rushed. Yeah. Like, it, like, every bit kind of stayed just as long as it needed to. <laughs> Index. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so the whole thing about this was just Tanjiro slowly getting stronger. Like yeah, it was, and I think they did a really good job of showing him just get a little bit better every six months because I'm pretty sure that's yeah that's what the time skip they did for every six um, months. I didn't expect Nezuko to be asleep the whole time. Yeah, like I'd actually brought that up. I I was kind of offhandedly joking. It's like, geez, she's been asleep for a long time. But yeah, like, and then you're like, no, she's got to be awake and up and just kind of walking around during the day. But then it's like she's been asleep for this long. I'm like. Okay, I was yeah. I was making a joke, which but that actually happened. I, I'm starting to think you might be right about it just being bamboo, mm. because if it was herbs, I feel like they'd be bad by now. Unless yeah. he was changing them every night, which I don't think he was. I mean, he or every once or every few days, which that would make sense, and it's that's something that you wouldn't need to show every time he does it. That would get really repetitive yeah so it might just it might just be bamboo I don't yeah know. It, it, we we have no idea so so i have an interesting uh theory about um, uh sabito sabito and, and makamo yeah so the so he was he was at the rock just by himself the whole time after um oh God, what was Otorobaki, i think 
Yeah, yeah. I think they his name. mentor. Yeah, after he leaves him. Uh, so the you know the rope that's yeah. around the rock. Uh, that is uh, well, it looks pretty much exactly like a uh, Yorishiro. Because in uh, in Shinto, they you know you know on trees when you see it hung around trees and stuff. Yeah, those are hung around places where they want to attract spirits to. Right. Yeah, that's what I thought. There was something about that. Like yeah. I was, and so you're th- so you're thinking exactly what I am. They were just spirits, kind of meant to push him along his journey. Yeah, I think they are. So they knew the mentor, mm-hmm. and they were trained by him. So I think they were probably demon slayers that died in the line of duty. Um, maybe that. Maybe that's their grave. Maybe it's their gravestone. Uh, mm. or, or they were somehow tied to this location, uh, cause they knew, they knew the mentor mm-hmm. and I, I do believe that they were alive at one time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think now they were spirits and they were just, um, the mentor kind of asked, maybe asked them to train him somehow. I don't know all the, de- all the, 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 all the details. Yeah. Like that, that would definitely make sense because he said, because he specifically says, I have nothing more to teach you. Mm-hmm. Which could have just as easily been some uh, his roundabout way of saying, okay, these spirits of my previous deceased pupils will be the ones to carry you along the rest of your journey. It's up to you from this point forward to get stronger. Which I think is actually kind of fascinating. And him actually cutting the boulder in that regard is actually sort of like freeing them, really. Yeah, exactly. That's what it seemed like to me. Because um, Sabito looked kind of sad. Like, both of them looked kind of sad when, when he finally won. Mm-hmm. And, and um, Tanjiro actually noticed, like, oh, wow, they... They, they, they they're they're the sad one time that they're relieved, but they're relieved at the same time. Yeah, and and when uh, Sabito finally faded away, and then it uh, the mist cleared, and it showed that he cut the boulder. Yeah, I think that was the act of allowing them to pass on. Which I actually thought was a really cool reveal. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, was, it was a very well done reveal. Just I, like, I I didn't notice it at the time. Like I actually had to go back and think about it some more. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is I think what a good anime should do. You yeah, exactly. Back and, uh, at least this kind of anime. Yeah, it was it was really cool. Also, so something that had been uh, brought to my attention. So the voice actor for Tanjiro is actually the same voice actor as Asta from uh, Black Clover. Oh yeah, yeah. I wasn't I wasn't aware of that. Which I I don't have any problems really with uh, with him as uh, Tanjiro. Like there might be some kind of awkward deliveries every now and then, but really, really, I think he's doing pretty good. Yeah, I. A, from what I've from what I've heard from people who do watch Black Clover, he gets a lot like less screamy and annoying. I know he's still screamy, but I guess they changed the voice direction so he's less grating on the ears. Yeah, or something like that. Because uh, yeah, that show's still going on. Yeah, the show Very is strong. still going on. Uh, I have, I've never watched uh, more than the first episode of Black Clover. Just yeah, me neither. There. Uh, but yeah, this this training arc episode of. Uh, Demon Slayer is uh is very good, and I am super excited to see more. Yeah, it it was it was really good. I I can't wait for the uh, the final selection. I believe is what it's the final test. Yeah, is yeah, because um yeah, it was after he broke the boulder, he would be allowed to take part in the final selection. Now I will say this: the one thing I didn't particularly like about this episode was the very beginning, where the main where the mentor was basically explaining how the demon slayers worked it's like okay we kind of know that already mm-hmm. it was it just felt like a little bit of an unnecessary padding for time is at least is what it felt like to me like it just felt like kind of like front-loaded information yeah they did that i think in the first episode too with the with the samurai guy yeah exactly doing that as well yeah yeah it, it it seems like they're trying to get information out there 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, like you said, it could also be padding for time. Yeah. I will say this, though. The, the fight scenes and choreography between Sabato and Tanjiro is actually pretty interesting. Yeah, like they, him, like, jumping off the trees and stuff. They did a really good job of um, showing sword speed. Yeah. Uh, they, they, it's kind of... They cut just enough frames to make it look really fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's a hard thing to do, in my opinion. Like, it's it's easy to just draw, um, kind of blurry, mm-hmm. like blurry, swingy, swordy looking things. Yeah, like, uh, you mean the stuff that Bleach would do constantly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, but like, I feel like if you just take uh, enough time to draw out just a little bit more frames where you can actually see the sword, mm-hmm. it feels a lot more. Uh, tangible yeah a little bit me. more tangible a little bit more smooth strangely enough yeah which it's it's ufo table that's no surprise yeah, it's gorgeous yeah ufo table knows what it's doing also the the interesting thing that i also want to bring up is the idea that there are different like styles and techniques to demon to demon slaying because tanjiro is of the water style is what it seems like like because which it makes me wonder if there are different like because the mentor made a specific mention to like the specific techniques that he uses and like the, and just all these different things. So it makes me wonder, there are probably different like tribes and different approaches to demons. Yeah. It's, it's, it's that, uh, that shonen flair. Yeah, exactly. This person has this type of special attack and this person is this type of special attack. And each person. And on top of that, like, uh, the full like the full focus or full concentration breathing or whatever which is like oh you can basically learn to heal yourself because your body because you're able to like use every cell in your body to increase like um oxygen and blood flow and it will speed up your natural healing and stuff like that even though you're still human that's probably something like every demon slayer has yeah to an extent also really sharp katana yeah ever dull no matter how much he smacked it against that rock uh yeah also, the uh, also also yeah. They're sorry. I'm just keep remember- <laughs> I keep remembering stuff about this series because uh, what I had brought up before was that it was kind of interesting how in the last episode how the demon didn't die after getting his head cut off because like usually like with demons, vampires, etc. Usually it's decapitation or some kind of uh, or some destroy kind- the brain. Yeah, it's what I was thinking, but. They pointed out ex- explicitly here, it's either by sunlight or by decapitating them with a special sword. Keyword there, special sword. Yeah, it's probably like, the prob- kind of sword that he was given. Yeah, probably probably blessed or something of that nature. Or maybe it's something he'll get when he becomes a full-fledged demon slayer. We, we'll see. I'm really looking forward to uh, future episodes of this. It's really good so far. Or, at the very least, it's an enjoyable, very enjoyable, very pretty show. So next up, Dororo. Uh, so the map was kind of just revealed. Dororo didn't know about it ever. And the way they kind of explained it was a little interesting, a little bizarre. Like, I'd never been in a warm bath before, so... Yeah, I was just like, oh, oh Dororo. <laughs> yeah, just... Uh, I mean, and you were actually and you were actually a little bit confused by that at first. Like, it was like, like ever? <laughs> and then I was like, well... She could have just been bathing in the river this yeah, whole time. Yeah, that seems what it's been like. Yeah, which... And I, I mean, like, it's it's strange as who I am now. You yeah. Know, living in the modern technology yeah. life that we have where I could take a hot bath anytime I want. Yeah, exactly. And you have to, yeah, it does take a little bit of time to remember. Yeah, this is a this takes place in feudal Japan where... Yeah, where a lot of people probably went most of their life without having a hot bath. They pro- Yeah, they probably just washed in the river. 
like and sometimes maybe didn't even wash at all if they if they didn't need to like that was pretty that must have been a pretty common thing in just medieval times in general i don't know if japan was much different in that regard yeah i i uh when they when they showed the flashback of how they got the scars yeah tattoos i would say they're scars they look like tattoos. I would, which yeah, they're supposed to be scars, I think, but they look like professionally done tattoos. Yeah, uh, but his uh, Dorado's mom was like pointing to the naginata his dad was holding, and she's like, "Hey, carve that into me." Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, that looks like it'll hurt and be nasty." And it's just like, "Oh no, let me put my fucking ten years of tattoo designing and give you a perfectly like calligraphy looking." dragon tattoo yeah and then on top of that let's do that also like let's put the other half of it on our sleeping daughter <laughs> maybe dodo blocked those memories out it maybe like, because i mean i'm pretty sure if i was a really young child and i had someone carving a blade into my back i would block those memories out <laughs> to protect myself yeah i mean yeah so far that hasn't been particularly explained maybe that's something that'll get explained in the future like because you'd think that would like something like that would be like something that comes to the forefront of your imagination like comes to the forefront of your mind every once in a while or it's repressed which either way okay whatever like it's it's a plot point now just imagine Dorado like how'd you get that tattoo you see Dorado look off into the distance it's like "Ah! Ah! Ah! nothing I know a guy (laughs) (laughs) like what's the matter nothing nothing at all <laughs> just <laughs> like yeah just cue like freaking like the thousand yard stare and like uh helicopters like in the background so uh new lord uh i just i was the the the, the rich guy who who's the lord of the local land they go to in this episode he's so I, creepy i just i was getting pissed because for like 10 minutes he didn't blink i'm just thinking like, just just fucking blink it's like that's gotta be painful. I mean, he looks like he's like got some kind of frog, like DNA in him because his eyeballs are in different area codes. Yeah, exactly. They're just like they're kind of on the sides of his head, sorta. Yeah. It's very strange. He seems like a a a person doing shitty things, but he thinks it's for. He's he's got that kind of villain who's like, I'm doing this for to help my people. Kind of, the, so he thinks he's doing all the good things, which is an interesting parallel between him and Daigo, because Daigo claims claims that he's did it for his people because, like, his people were living basically in hell, pretty much. When yeah, which before. I'm sure with Daigo, that's part of the reason, but most of it just seems like greed. Yeah, he wanted he wanted personal pride and something exactly, to call yeah. his own. Wait, was and this guy just seems like he actually wants his people to be happy because, like, when he's interacting with them on the street, he seems very genuine about like wanting to help them and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and even his face is a little bit more different than when he's talking to Yakimaru and Dororo. Yeah, and it was interesting because uh, because even Dororo brings up like uh, like how they were having like a hot meal and stuff like that. It's like, wow, it's really interesting. It's really nice of you to do the, go out of your way this much for just total strangers. Which at the end of the episode we find out why. Yeah. <laughs> um, in that scene, he's like, uh, "So how about that burned down village?" And then it's just the geishas are like, "Bang." And then they just slowly back up out of the room, like, like fucking homers like, backing up into a bush. Yeah, it's like, did did I did I say something <laughs> wrong? I, I'm sorry. Which but. they so we know he's lying, obviously, mm-hmm. and we know he's working with the monster demon, maybe. Yeah, it's uh, like it's really weird. Also, 
the had it speaking of the monster this episode that was unsettling the weird oh, yeah, silkworm the, thing yeah, that was just like crawling through the ceil- crawling on the ceiling yeah uh, he's trying to he calls those things his children mm-hmm. and uh this butterfly mo- moth like a moth it, demon is like yeah, his, his lover it, it looks like yeah it's mothra it's pretty much mothra except not fucking gigantic so, so i'm assuming he he fell in love with this moth demon i don't know if the moth demon is actually in love with him or not probably not probably mm-hmm. just using him uh and he agreed to feed his i'm making air quotes children mm-hmm. uh but he would never f- sacrifice any of his own people because mm-hmm. uh his, his own people look like they're you know pretty happy with their lives nobody goes missing or anything and they never talked about that yeah uh, but it seems like every traveler he probably brings in gives them a nice warm meal mm-hmm. a bed to stay in and then just feeds them to the the yeah, little, exactly. Uh, gross little silkworm babies. Yeah, it, it's unsettling. It's it's very disturbing. But it was actually a pretty cool scene when uh, Hyakimaru was just kind of laying still for a while while the silkworm was getting closer, but then immediately like takes off his arm and just slashes at it. That yeah, was... I was worried, I was wondering if he was actually asleep, but yeah, he was waiting for it to get closer. Yeah, I I thought that was really cool because even Dodoro was like kind of just saying, "Wake up! Hey, wake hey, up! Hey! <laughs> it's wake up!" It just, it added to the tension of this. Uh, Dodoro still continues to be good. I think it's kind of, it's sort of like it feels like it's a little bit in filler territory at the moment. Because, I mean, while we still... Well, have the... that's, like, been the entire first season, really, the first core. Yeah. Most of the most of it was just uh, Him the story up of with Blank. his father, yeah. No, no, that, that was just near the end. Most of it's just been the story of this thing. Mm-hmm. The story of this thing, and it was uh, him killing a demon. yeah. Like, and that's where I think this show shines really well, because mm-hmm. uh, it, it is just Dodo and Hyakimaru kind of... Going on a journey together. Yeah, journeying together, kind of building uh, building their character, killing demons slowly. You got a new body part. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that really is a point of criticism. It just, at the moment, it just kind of feels like, like after getting introduced to the, like to the big plot of the show. You like, think it's weird going back to that? After, uh, a little, after that? a little bit. Yeah. Like it just, it feels like a little bit of a, I wouldn't say necessarily change in tone, but it definitely like a change in theme, I guess. Like, because kind of going back more to the monster of the week sort of formula yeah uh the to... the big plot where he met with his dad and his brother was kind of like a checkpoint yeah what it felt like uh they were stopping to give a little bit of important detail um cutting to home to home do yeah his eye yeah his eye down and then he's probably gonna end up becoming like a more prominent character uh and then and then now we have this new plot point of uh dodoro trying to figure out what to do with uh his father with her father's money pretty much. Oh yeah, we golden comedy now. Yeah. <laughs> so, it just, gotta find the gold. It's it's kind of interesting because a lot, it seems, because uh, Osamu uh, Terazuka, I believe his name is, the author of the original story. Tezuka? Tezuka, Te- thank you. Tezuka, I think his yeah. name is, yeah. Os- Osamu Tezuka, um, the grandfather of most modern manga, as he's often referred, it seems like he's inspired like quite a few works. Like, it's no shock because he was, he's the grandfather of manga because um, the author Berserk actually has apparently cited uh, Dodoro as his favorite uh, Tezuka manga. And uh, if it's Golden Kamui, I wouldn't be, like, with the whole map in the back thing, I wouldn't be surprised if the Golden Kamui author was partially inspired by Dodoro in that regard. It, yeah, it makes I mean, some degree uh, of sense. 
all what was the saying like all water comes from the ocean yeah something like, like that a, something saying like that um i i've i've often ascribed to the idea of uh there were only seven oh. original literary ideas everything else is just a reproduction or yeah 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 on those ideas which that's not surprising i'm just saying it's it's cool to see like the original like and sort of uh and as I've said before, Studio Mappa has done a really good job of like taking sort of like classic mangas and adapting them for to a modern audience, like they did with Banana Fish, and they're continuing to do with Dodo. So next up is Fairy Gone, and uh, first of all, first thing I want to say is the soundtrack is so cool. The soundtrack is really it good. It's a little loud sometimes. I think uh, like it sounds like it, <laughs> like they're trying to fight, and you're like. Ah uh, yes, I will fight you. And then, like as, as you're talking, it just slowly gets like, so I can't hear you over the band that's playing. Uh, but that being said, yeah, it was the sound it, it, like like a, pick, a kick-ass like rock punk kind of. Yeah, sound. the sound the soundtrack like kind of like flourished at just the right time. Like you could kind of hear it in the background, sort of at first, but then and then when the fight finally picked up, that's when it really kicked in. And you're like, I was like, and I was just thinking to myself this whole time holy shit this soundtrack is good <laughs> yeah like it, it i would i i normally don't go out of my way to like um listen to like anime soundtracks or whatever there are there are some songs like intros op songs that i will occasionally go out of my way to listen to but very few like soundtracks holy shit this soundtrack is good and it sir and it definitely deserves mention so yeah. uh downside i have so far with this series the CG on the fairies that the people summon is kind of grating to me. Like, it, it seems like uh, just something that PA works should be doing better, really. Now, I will, I'll agree with that. I think that the, I think that the thing about fairies is that I think they are supposed to be slightly otherworldly anyway. So I would personally say that maybe they are supposed to look like they don't necessarily belong. Like, so, I mean... I can agree, and I can agree that it does look a little bit jarring, but they are supposed to be beings that are sort of, like, otherworldly and sort of just not really supposed to exist here. Like, it just is, so I think them looking sort of jarring is fitting, in a sense. I will agree that, I don't think the CG was ever, like, their movements and stuff have ever been so distracting to where it took me completely out of the experience myself. Yeah, I'd agree there. Um... Like they didn't yeah, look just, like they didn't look like Overlord season three. Yeah, like models. Uh, minor complaints. It's not taking me out of the show. Yeah, for exactly. Sure. Um, we got a, we got a pretty kick ass fight scene um, with yeah. um, the blonde guy Who, Free and Marlia. I think yeah, and Marlia. So we also figured out a little bit on how fairies actually work. Like the, apparently, it's it's kind of like Evangelion. Like in the sense of how the the pilot will feel the pain that the Ava feels, but it won't like translate to their body yeah. directly. Yeah, because when um, Marlia had her fairy's arms cut off, it was like I'm assuming she probably felt like her arms were cut off. But her arm, and even it looked like her arms had been cut off because she had been like hiding them in her jacket. Yeah, but it's I, probably that. Like, so she. She felt like her arms were cut off, but her arms were still were still there. So there's probably a really weird mental disconnect between yeah. that going on. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's why Freeze like, oh, are you okay? It's you're, I know you're feeling weird. Like, just calm down, breathe. Yeah, exactly. So it's probably something everyone has to get used to. Yeah, I, I imagine so. It, it's very Evangelion in that sense because the the Ava pilots feel the exact same thing. They don't necessarily 
like to them it feels like they're losing an arm or losing like part of their body or whatever but they're really not in real life and but yeah so it's sort of that weird like psychological disconnect that takes time mm-hmm. to get used to i just thought that was a cool little detail evangelion still proving to be how influential of a series it is <laughs> but i also thought it was really cool like the uh how they had like a sniper and a spotter character because we oh, met yeah. more of the members of dorothea yeah it's uh it's interesting seeing the kind of unique forms that fairies can take yeah uh because like and, until now we've pretty much seen combat uh, more more yeah, like things, close range combat based things fairies. things that uh fight for you yeah or things that go out and do things uh like we we saw the scout was pretty cool it was like a frog i think it was yeah frog looking thing yeah uh, but i was really interested in the snipers because it it was still a living creature but it like wrapped around his arm. Yeah, and, like, yeah. Spiraled around it, and, and he used it like a sniper rifle. Yeah, I I agree. It was it was really cool, and how once again, it, like you even pointed out, it was basically just like a sniper and spotter while we were watching that. I was like, yeah, that's a really cool way they went about it. It's it was just clever. Yeah. I really liked it. And um, see, so, so this blonde guy, he was a, a I think it was a war buddy of yeah. Freeze. Yeah, or at least yeah, comrade who had after had after the war was over, had joined the Mafia mm-hmm. to find some degree of purpose. Yeah, which I, uh, probably one of the most interesting things about this series so far is just seeing what the people who had fairies put into them are just doing now. Because like, I, I, I'm really fascinated when they were just traveling through the forest and you see the castle, uh, and then early on you see... The, the castle you saw earlier on in the flashback of uh, Free fighting on there and is when his friend died. Uh, yeah. But you just... We're seeing the immediate, like, almost immediate results of a war-torn kind of uh, medieval society Yeah. Not really medieval, it's like a renaissance, I guess? I'd say... Renaissance age? It's like like, renaissance, it actually has, like, it has, like, guns and stuff. So I'd say, like, I'd say, like, 1900s, like, because they had rifles and stuff. Yeah, I thought the renaissance age was, uh... Uh, Renaissance had more, like, muskets and stuff. Like, not really... Yeah, they didn't have any machine guns. No. Anything? No, I mean the show. They didn't have any machine guns. It was just pretty much muskets, mm. or uh, I guess probably a little bit better than that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's like the there's a point where swords are still being used and guns are just being introduced. Yeah. That, okay. That's I'd say fair. But, like, uh, yeah, it's and, and it's just fascinating seeing this world where they just had a war, and now they're dealing with like the immediate repercussions. Because uh, Free was saying like, yeah, the war's over. Um, and I think it was Marley saying, well, if they're, or no, uh, Free said, like, if they're still using these um, artificial fairies, the little mechs, pretty much, yeah. uh, then is the war really even over? Yeah, exactly. It's it's still, it's definitely kind of along the same the lines of, well, the war is, o- the war is quote unquote over, so what's left? It It's definitely like Golden Kamui with Sugimoto, like somebody who had basically completely destroyed himself and rebuilt himself to try and survive on the war why are we still here so yeah when he finally is done with it what what's the point there's nothing really left to go back to so we they're all trying to figure out like ways they go back to it also interesting like uh parallel between uh, marlia and free like marlia basically thinking that she's always been like a symbol of bad luck and how unlucky she's been whereas free realizes that he is lucky just in the worst possible ways like, because he survived that day, but at the cost of his friend's life. Yeah. And Marlia just seems to have bad shit happen around her constantly. Oh, yeah. She's like the, um, 
God, the, the cursed child or yeah, something they, think they that called she's, her. Yeah, they think that she's just, like, a cursed child. Also, pretty cool about Marlia how she's, like, I mean, I like it when characters have, like, reasons for why they're good at the things that they're good at. They're not just good at them randomly just because, or, like, there's some, like, tangible reason for why they've done this. Like, Marlia is good at shooting, and she's good at tracking stuff. In her home village, she was a hunter, so that makes sense. Yeah. And I essentially just, a D&D ranger. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I just thought that was super cool. I, I really like yeah, that. Uh, I'm definitely interested to see uh, just kind of how many organizations are going to be involved in this whole conflict. Because we're, we're, we're definitely, we're, we're almost certainly going to see more fairy soldiers yeah, being, exactly. being brought into this story. Absolutely. And I'm I'm looking forward to it. The uh, I'm interested to see like how Marlia kind of becomes like more used to like the idea of fairies and using it and using it. For yeah, because she's special because um, yep. like everybody else had fairy organs implanted in their body, which looks disgusting and painful, yeah. by the way. And she had the fairy just like bleh. Just yeah, just her body of, by itself. It, yeah, and which the uh, the leader of Dorothea or the person in charge basically ordered free to make a redacted report that didn't include that. She's like, I'll just have that for my personal yeah. <laughs> information. Rewrite it now. Uh, so I'm actually interested to see more of these characters, more of that character in particular, just more of how Dorothea as an organization functions. Next up, Fruits Basket. It's it's fruits basket it's it's just good it's it's <laughs> well said everybody can go home now the podcast is over it's fruits basket. <laughs> no but in all seriousness like a lot of i can like after these like these past few weeks of watching it like fruits basket has been like such a it's been like such an influential show it's probably and an influential series it's been like a series that probably it was most people's like first series they ever read or at least yeah, one of the first stuff. series they ever read in like middle school high school whatever and it's it's a huge series and i can un- and watching all these past few weeks i can certainly understand why yeah uh my my favorite thing about this series so far is that you have such a ridiculous situation as uh zodiac people that represent the zodiac when they're hugged by girls they turn into animals uh but we're dealing with such a personal kind of situations just they these characters easily could have had these problems if they hadn't been supernatural characters yeah exactly it's just the supernatural touch kind of adds a nice little twist to the kind of character drama going on because uh uh yuki and kyo Kyo. yeah the two um it's it's fascinating seeing uh so kyo is the cat right yeah kyo is the cat yeah uh it's fascinating seeing kyo's struggle of wanting to be included in this big zodiac family like it's yeah he wants classic to be tale, an official but, member of yeah. the soma clan he, he wants to be recognized and then you see yuki wanting he, he's jealous of kyo's just ability just to interact with people outside of the clan so they have this kind of opposite agenda going on uh, yeah and, and it creates a really interesting tension and drama between them and yeah it, it makes all of the I'm mad at you, so I'm gonna attack you. Kind of thing actually mean a lot to me. Exactly, like it's like these these scenario. Like, yeah, that's a great way of putting it. These scenarios and this concept, ridiculous as it seems, once you actually start to sit down and watch it and sort of like understand more of the characters' motivations and what they're going through, it all feels like yeah, you could these easily could just be a real situation, like. Like, it almost doesn't need the supernatural aspect to yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. The, the supernatural aspect is just kind of, like, flavoring. Exactly. And it just makes it 
really cool to watch. Like, and it just, and it does, admittedly, most of the time it's just added for, like, comedic effect. That's really what it is. Like, it, at least so far what it's felt like, the whole supernatural, like, oh, they turn into uh, their respective Zodiac animal. It just has been added for comedic effect. Yeah, like, so far it's only been used... For jokes, mostly. like uh, like Kyo suddenly having a bunch of cats around him when the cats are just magneti- are just magnetized to him pretty much. Yeah. He's also, also I want to say the detail on those cats was stunning. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they just have like there's like little chibi cats with like two second drawn on faces. To them. Yeah, exactly. They they look like the cat. <laughs> they look like the cats from like uh, Azumanga Dayo or something like that. Because I've seen that clip before where there's yeah. just like a bunch like an army of cats. Certainly no uh, shoujo looking Haru from yeah. from uh, my roommate is a cat. Yeah, exactly. Um, but then it's especially hilarious, like when when Haru when Tor I almost said Haru when Toru uh, when Toru accidentally gets pushed into Yuki and he turns into a rat. They're just walking like down home together, and you just see like a tiny little rat yeah, like walking, walking beside on her. his hind legs. Yeah, which I want to say, uh, not a complaint. But I saw that coming a mile away. Yeah. Like, I just, when the scene was getting close to it, I was like, she's going to touch him. And then he's going to turn into an animal. And, and yeah. shenanigans will ensue. Yeah. Yeah, but he's just, like, talking. And it, and like I said earlier, really crazy situation of animals, whatever. Uh, and in this situation, even when you had a high school girl and a tiny person who was turned into a rat walking together, and the rat's walking on his high legs, very goofy. It was a very... Um, somber serious conversation yeah like it didn't feel, it didn't feel goofy at all because of the context and that the the characters were taking it very seriously yeah exactly it's just it's a it's been a really enjoyable ride so far and i i'm looking forward to just more of the series like Agreed. it's yeah, yeah it's just like all the character like toru is the most wholesome person ever yeah it, like you said it's so easy to see how the show has been beloved for so long after, exactly after and, watching it for the first and, time like and people and people who are like who are like super excited that it finally is getting an adaptation that it deserves but it's basically fruits basket brotherhood um like it's i can really appreciate that also toru has like the most like nonsensical ideas that somehow make a modicum of oh of yeah sense. the analogy she made yeah exactly oh that was so like stupidly deep yeah like, in a good way it it, it had <laughs> like it had no right being as deep as it was well, it's like, maybe your plums on your back yeah and i was like what yeah i was just sitting there thinking like wow that, that is, makes so much sense <laughs> it's it's so stupid but because yeah, uh uh how is she saying like yeah nobody can see their own essentially saying nobody can see their own merits uh, yeah. cuz they're always looking at everybody else's merits yeah and but in the way she described it is like yeah it's like a it's basically like an a rice ball like if the pickled plum is almost always on a person's it's always on the back of the mm-hmm. rice ball so you're never really able to see that yourself that was really cool it 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 was and it just kind of lends i like lends some uh, credence to the idea that Tori's a sweet girl she's surprisingly wise but doesn't always know necessarily how to articulate her ideas and she always gives them like in the the strangest ways but you're like wow that's actually (laughs) surprisingly deep because she seems like such a total airhead most of the time but she's a really sweet really smart girl at times also yuki just wanting to finally admit to it I'll finally admit, just like, hey, I'll 
play uh, rich man, poor man with you guys next time. Like finally just sort of realizing, okay, I need to open up to people. Like I can't just keep myself at a distance forever. Yeah. I, I thought that was very nice. Yeah. There's really good, uh, like I said before, really good reasoning for the characters acting the way they are. And, and instead of, in, in a lot of anime, they just kind of act that way with, with no reason. Like, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so next up is helpful Fox Senko-san where I have never been more, and uh, happy to watch a show and also angry to watch a show at the same time. <laughs> because explain your, explain your feelings. You got this this guy who's working hard at a job. It's like, I work hard at my job. I don't have some fox, 800-year-old fox goddess to come home and clean my ears every day. Yeah, clean my... Yeah, it's sort of like one of those things. That like, Fuck. Oh, I, it's like, oh, I want that. Exactly, but, yeah. I, but it's something... But the situation is so ridiculous, you realize, oh, you never really can mm. have that. But uh, this this show is so therapeutic. Yeah, like just watching it, I just feel like I'm sinking back into my chair, and it's just very comforting to listen to because uh, the main character and um, uh, I don't remember the business guy's name is mm-hmm. uh, him and Senko-san, uh, both voice actors they have for their roles. They like most of the time, unless it's a stressful situation, they speak in very slow, calming tones. Like yeah, and, and it's just very chill. Yeah, it, time. It, it's very it's a very comfy show. Like it's not as like comfy as say something like Laid Back Camp, but it definitely gives me those kind of vibes. I'd say it's a different kind. Like yeah. if Laid Back Camp was comfy, like when you want to snuggle up in a blanket, this is comfy. Like you're just getting ready for bed, and and it's just nice hearing, like kind of like an ASMR. Yeah, situation. yeah. Which which uh, I want to actually I haven't done it yet, but I want to put on headphones for like the end bit. Yeah, where Senko San is like talking to you about like. Yeah, the girlfriend video, essentially. Yeah, like, uh, how's I, your day? I kind of want to just see if there's actually, like, ASMR bits when she's cleaning your ears. <laughs> yeah, I remember you bringing that up. The uh, The thing about this is, I want to point out, it's very it's very interesting and maybe for some a little troubling. Like, the whole, like, uh, oh, she's, it's like, she's 800 years old, she's 800 years old, she's 800 years <laughs> yeah, old. Yeah, I'm dipping into FBI territory. Yeah, just the officer. Um, the... The thing about it is it's an interesting dynamic, I'd say, between the two of them, because she is someone who looks like a young, like a pretty young girl, but is well, who's like wise beyond her years. And is she's literally 800 years old. She's a goddess. She's seen a lot of stuff. Meanwhile, and so but she physically looks like a child. Meanwhile, he is older looking. But in her point of view, he's just a child because she's. Because he hasn't lived for nearly as long as he as she has. It's just a little interesting parallel between the two of them that I think is actually kind of interesting. Yeah, I, uh, I going back to like the the first episode when she when she's in his house and he just kind of like picks her up, sets her outside, and he's like, "I'm not dealing with this. <laughs> I don't want to go to jail for this whole situation." Yeah, exactly. It, <laughs> and I'd say that she's. That she's actually just, like, uh, trying to get him to actually, like, take care of himself better. Which I'd say that maybe that's the end game for this show. Like, not necessarily learning how to, not necessarily learning how to, like, rely on somebody completely, but learning how to take care of himself better. Yeah. Because it seems like that's more what she's doing. Yeah, there's not really, it, it doesn't seem to me anyways that there's really any romantic undertones. Yeah. Uh, at least so far. Uh, I mean, kind of a little bit, or not really romantic, but erotic, quote unquote, when she was like, when he was like messing with her tail and she looked like she was about to bust an 800 year old fox nut. Yeah. Or um, when he was doing the same thing with her, when he was doing the same kind of thing. <laughs> oh my God. Ears. 
And then he just pokes her in the ears. St- that sound effect of him just stabbing her ears, pretty just much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and yeah. that face. <laughs> uh, I I absolutely love this show. I'm I'm surprised by how funny it's actually turning out to yeah, be. Yeah, and it's the like, comedic timing is really good. Yeah, it's just sort of, and as you said, it's a very like comfy like feeling comedy though. Yeah, it's, I will look forward to this every week, like no matter what, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. The. Uh, the other really interesting thing about it, like I kind of brought this up after we'd uh, watched this episode, the uh, it's it almost seems like it's actually trying to teach people, like kind of lonely men, to be able to take care of themselves as well. Like this is how you clean your house. You start, yeah. you start by cleaning the walls, and then you sweep the floor. Like, huh? Okay, I'm learning. Like I'm learning how to take care, like clean up my house and not be a complete slob. I mean, I'm. I'm not a hundred percent sure if that's what they're going for, but it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Like, because it just seems like anime has a tendency to do that. Like, how do we get how do we get a bunch of weebs to go outside? <laughs> to go outside, let's make camping look really fun. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it it definitely seems like a show meant to either make people feel better or help people relax, and also just kind of help people. Yeah, like you said generally improve their lives that might be the the message behind it all i think so but also it could just be like a cute fox girl yeah (laughs) it could just be cute fox girl i could be like way over analyzing either way i'll eat it up yeah i i'm a i'm adoring this show it's just it's so wholesome and so just pleasant to listen to next up is hitori bochi uh, I said this last week. It's like uh, it's like Watamote. If I didn't feel like completely like f- cringy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, uh, don't get me wrong. Like, Bochi is an incredibly awkward little girl, but at the same time, it's forgivable. She's a little girl. Yeah, like, uh, well, teenager, teenager. Um, she's just entering her first year of middle school. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this show is hitting some surprisingly funny notes. Yeah, uh, a little bit of actual touching. Messages, exactly. Um, like when, uh, when they finally bring in, um, it starts with an H. Aru, um, Hosho. Hosho, yeah. When yeah. they finally bring her into the into the fold, for lack of a better term, that's kind of sweet. Um, when like when Hosho t- steals the sucker, he's like, "I'm taking this one," and uh, Nako's like, "Ah, it's fine. I finally started bringing three, anyways." And yeah, exactly. It was just it's real... just really surprisingly sweet. Yeah, it is, situation. and just and just seeing like the sort of like rivalry between the two of them, like. Uh, like Aru like trying to be like the prim and proper student and then uh, Nako looking like a total delinquent but uh but the and the two of them kind of butting heads over that because Nako's just all making fun of the fact it's like oh well you're ridiculously unfortunate like <laughs> yeah they, oh, they play on the unfortunate angle so much like you even said this like uh like you couldn't believe that uh like you couldn't hear the word "unfortunate" without immediately <laughs> yeah. thinking of Hitori yeah, they, Bochi. Yeah, they played the they played the bit so well in this episode, and and how every time, every time uh, Nako said like "unfortunate," um, Hosho's immediate response was just a fucking headbutter or something like that. Yeah, and like, and she would even like kind of like slide it in there like really sneaky. It's, it's like, oh, how unfortunate! Yeah. <laughs> just stuff like that. Uh, Nako's easily one of the better characters in this show. So yeah, far. she's my favorite. Yeah, she's sure. my personal uh, my favorite. My favorite bit in this episode was. Uh, when uh after uh bochi was sick yeah and, and nako and hosho went to her house you see bochi is coming out like hey it's me do you remember me <laughs> like i and Nako's I, like who yeah, <laughs> yeah i love uh, bochi yeah. you're so precious yeah because because the whole time like i mean and as someone who's dealt with like uh, social anxiety and stuff like that that is kind of like 
something that some people are afraid of. Like you're afraid that your friends don't actually care about you. You haven't forgot about me yet, have you? The, yeah. The text messages. I mean, it's for me, it's never been quite that extreme, but it's yeah. been like something like you, know, you think about stuff like that, though. Like, yeah, you, you do. Imagine, like I know my I. Uh, for every successful scenario in my head, I imagine a hundred unsuccessful scenarios. Exactly. Like, uh, it's kind of like um, Infinity War. Like, uh, the whole, there's been, I saw like 19,000 scenarios and there's only, like, and there's only yeah. one where we actually come out on top. And that's pretty much what it's like living with social anxiety, apparently. Exactly. Uh, that, that's, yeah, I, I definitely feel, I feel that. Like, I don't throw up when I'm around stressful situations. Yeah, I don't pass out when I'm extremely happy. <laughs> but but and I don't like I don't like nag my friend saying, "Hey, you haven't forgotten me yet, have you?" But yeah. it's always one of those things like uh I can certainly relate to it because like the whole uh oh, you know, you're you're worried that your friends will forget about you or maybe they're just putting on airs because they don't because they don't want to like hurt your feelings, but they in like so they're just putting on a nice mask around you, but then in real but in reality they just kind of turn as like fucking bitch. Yeah, I think everybody has an inner bochi. Yeah. And <laughs> exactly. And bochi is bochi is precious. She deserves all the head pats and she deserves all the good friends. Uh I hope she becomes less awkward as I said earlier, but I thought it was like oh, oh go ahead, go ahead, sorry. I thought it was hilarious when uh, Nako finally like uh, entered her room for the first time. It's like, "Oh, it's it's like this is just a normal house." And then she sees like the trying your best fairy or whatever. It's like or maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think a lot of the, you know, hilarious jokes aside for this show, I think a lot of what makes it interesting is that Butchie is on on some level for most people so relatable. Yeah. Like it's obviously played up to the extreme. Uh, but, you know, I think everybody has those moments where they're thinking, like you said, they're worried about, you know, s- what looks like to other people silly things, but to you is just like the most important thing. Exactly. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's hilarious and wholesome and surprisingly Sur- touching. Yeah, uh, surprisingly touching and just really funny. Like not just like comf- not just like kind of comfy funny like Senko-san. Like this actually, the comedic timing is pretty damn on point. Yeah. Like and uh, probably gonna be watching the show for the rest of the season. Yeah, probably one hundred percent. So next up is uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure: Golden Wind. Uh, you were right. It's Metallica. I mean, no, to no one's surprise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, and it could be one of those things. Like, they could have just easily played it off, like Metallic, and but uh, you can and, hear him saying Metallica. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> does it, does this surprise literally anyone? Uh, yeah. No, like it doesn't. Uh, interest. Very interesting fight. Yeah, like, I want to talk about why the boss didn't just come out and deal with risotto himself in the beginning mm. he had the option to he had plenty of time mm-hmm. to 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 uh you know pop out and do his own thing my only guess is that he he left dapio out on purpose because dapio is his alternate personality and he he can't like so the cost of him either if this alternate personality generating itself or him creating this alternate personality was he couldn't just have him do all the things that he could do mm-hmm. because uh, at the end of the day, stands are like kind of alternate personalities in their own way. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that this alternate personality couldn't do everything he has. Mm-hmm. So maybe he's using, he's giving this opportunity to let uh, Dapio have some more experience. Yeah, I would imagine. So have some more experience, have some more like uh... some golden experience. <laughs> 
that was a cringe <laughs> joke. But anywho, the uh, the thing about yeah, I agree with that. Doppio is uh, it's definitely like he's trying to just strengthen that persona so that he doesn't have to like come out all the time. Is the thing because it in that. In that regard, it kind of, like, is ultimately what the boss is trying to do. Like, he wants to be known to the world as little as possible. So if he has, like, an alternate persona, Doppio, who can do things on his own, then he doesn't have to show up anymore unless it's in absolutely dire situations. So I imagine that might be also his endgame. He wants to have Doppio, like, be, like, sort of self-sustaining in most regards so he can kind of blend in easier mm-hmm. he just looks like some punk ass kid on the street oh you'd say a really nice kid well yeah <laughs> a punk at well a really nice kid with a really dark secret and a crazy haircut yeah a crazy haircut which allows him to see the future apparently i think that was just uh visualization for the audience i know mm-hmm. but it, it's 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 still funny like it's just really yeah, funny it's like, like use king crimson's um foresight no there was, it was a word for it uh not requiem mm. uh it was something music related i i yeah i know i know what you're talking about i don't i don't remember what it was i think it was a reference to the to his song by king crimson maybe but mm, I, don't know. I don't know like uh i i'd actually forgotten jojo is one of those things like uh like we don't like for these opening weeks just by the by we don't always take notes for like these opening yeah, weeks. there's too many shows to talk about exactly so so basically this like little uh this little stand here like basically just a portion of king crimson's power is bestowed upon dapio is what it seems like and that's the way the boss describes it so sort of like the foresight ability as well as the ability to punch the ever-loving fuck out of him. Yeah, you gave him a foresight ability in the arms. Yeah. Which uh, is the thing he's like, okay, you need to get within two meters. Exactly. Um, the, uh, this this episode was hard to watch. A lot of, like, the, the <laughs> damage that Dapio was taking from uh, Metallica. Yeah, like the Like the scissors? Sit- <gasps> oh my god, fucking... Ugh. That actually hurts my throat, just thinking about it. Yeah. Just, uh, uh. Uh, and then, like, a, what's his name? Risotto uh, was slowly yeah. catching on to how, how his ability was working. Uh, they did a lot of kind of hand-wavy, but also kind of clever um, usage of King Crimson, how they showed a foot flying away, but it was actually Risotto's yeah. foot. And then and then they doubled back on the idea, idea later on um, when it looked like Dapio had part of his head missing. Mm. But it just turned out that it was just uh, Risotto's blood mm. um, being... It, it, was the, it was turning out the same way when Risotto made himself invisible. Mm. Which made part of Dapio's head invisible, so it looked like Dapio was missing part of his head. Yeah, I I think that's a pretty clever little detail. Yeah, like, it, it was a it was a good mix of Iraqi bullshit and uh, mm-hmm. actual clever work on the stand. Absolutely, like, and let's. It seemed like the majority of this fight just felt like a little bit of just Dapio trying to buy time in a pretty clever way, mind you. But it just felt like Dapio trying to buy time for the boss. And it's uh, it's interesting how they don't actually like the boss doesn't have 100% control over Dapio because there's a lot of times where he's just like, no, just run. Just get out of here. Avoid damage. And Dapio's saying like, no, I can actually take him out. Mm-hmm. So it's not just a personality that the boss can directly control. Yeah, it, it's really interesting. Like, I'm, like, I want to see more of like how like that relationship came to be. Like, and exactly like, like once again, just figuring out who the fuck is the boss? It's sort of like the whole Yoshikagi Kira situation all over again. Like, just wanting to find out more about who Kira is as a person. Yeah, and definitely, I said last episode, 
uh, a lot more interested in the boss now. That yeah. He's not just this enigmatic, mysterious figure. Yeah, that was something that kind of made you interested in him. But now you're just like, now that you know that of his existence, you're like, who is he? Yeah. Uh, but I think it was really weird. Like uh, the whole, I'm pretty sure that's not how blood works. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, like, I use uh, Metallica. I use the iron in your blood to... Or, I think it's the iron any, anywhere. Yeah. You can take, may, anywhere there's iron, you can make it into actual iron. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure your blood doesn't have enough iron... To, to create scissors. Yeah, or anything, really. Maybe if you had... I think if you had to take, like, all the iron in your body, you could maybe make, like... Uh, I don't know, like a a, a bolt or something? I, I and, don't, and even then, it's not the same kind of iron. <laughs> I, I don't... I really don't know. Like, at the same time... At the same time, the whole uh, the whole thing, like where it's just like, oh yeah, by the way, I'm going to slowly drain iron out of your blood because because uh, that iron is what helps carry oxygen to you. And That's now, a thing. I mean, that is a That's thing. That's actually a thing. Like, so they mixed in a lot of like pseudoscience with actual science, and uh, uh, at the end of the day, uh, suspension of disbelief applied. Allowed me to thoroughly enjoy this fight. Absolutely, it's and just like looking back on it. It's like, nah. I'm pretty not. sure that's not how blood works. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't care. Like, at the same time, I'm not. It's a better than Brick Snake, that's yeah. for sure. Okay. <laughs> I actually talked with a friend recently about uh, about Brick Snake. Go on. Yeah. What? No, go on. <laughs> so the thing about the thing about it is. There are plenty of situations in JoJo where you're like, okay, that was so stupid. But it's sort of like the Pacific Rim effect where there are so many things that are just so stupid, but at the same time, they are just stupid enough to where mm-hmm. they kick ass. But then there's some moments like Brick Snake where it's just like, that was so dumb. It was just dumb. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I'll never be able to get over Brick Snake. I, I just, I won't be able to. I think um, Risotto's dead. I'm Probably. pretty sure because he took quite a few bullets from yeah Aerosmith. bullets through him yeah and like it looks like they came out the other side I mean well we didn't expressly see him dead per se because uh, I mean we saw him attach a foot back to his body so it's entirely possible he could use Metallica to close up holes in his body possibly but I I really don't know yeah it, I I do think that he is dead mm-hmm. but I I wouldn't be surprised if they you know, pulled something out of nowhere and he's not actually dead. Uh, so now I think the boss is just going to be searching to try and stop uh, Abakio's yeah. Moody Blues. Abakio from playing Moody Blues because yeah. if he plays that, then he's screwed. Next up, Kono Oto Tomare. The club is getting even bigger. Like, yeah, I he introduced more people to the party. I I love uh, the, the 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 female character in the club. Oh yeah, uh, she's she's great. Be, because like I said last episode, I, I I thought that it was such a generic, um, kind of like nice girl. Yeah. But they they play it off so well of that's just her fake personality. Yeah, exactly. Uh, her real real personality is um is also kind of a generic personality. It's like a she's like kind of cold calculating. A uh, person who's just doing whatever they do want to get what they want, but the combination of that uh, being her real personality and the other one, other stereotypical thing being her fake per- personality kind of meshes together to create it, a real and actually interesting character. Yeah, it's it's like tropes that we know, tropes that we're familiar with, character archetypes we're familiar with, but at the same time, they're done in a way that doesn't feel ridiculously generic. At least not to me. Yeah. Uh, the the one thing the one complaint I think I do have about this 
show so far is that the the art style seems a little uninspired. Mm. Like uh, there's a lot of flat colors, and um, and, and for lack of a better term, the characters just look like generic anime characters. There's I, not a lot of flair to the art style. I guess I could. I guess I can see where you're coming from. Like, yeah, there's not a whole lot of pizzazz that really separates it from everything else. Like, it looks good. Like, they the characters don't. Yeah, the character designs aren't bad or anything per se. Yeah. It, but I but I can understand what you're saying. It's kind of not. It doesn't do anything in its own right to stand out. But like for example, um, Mars comes in like a lion. Yeah, like that was such a. Just the characters just popped out of the screen so much visually. Like the, and, the art style is so good, and that's in part, and that's in part because of the original source material being so well drawn, and then also Shaft doing what Shaft does yeah. and sort of performing all the Shaftisms. Uh, just, just personally, I'm not a fan of that um, homogenized art style. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see what you're saying, and I, I kind of agree. At the same time, I think that it's all that it's all good, and the story, like, it's nothing amazing, but it's. But it's serviceable, and yeah. given the story that we're working with here, I'd say that it's work that it that it's fine. Like, yeah, it's I actually the, enjoy the, the story that we're go, that we're being introduced to here. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the art doesn't do anything crazy, but also it's it's a solid base for them yeah, to tell exactly. the story. Uh, I'm really glad that they're going the direction they are with the kind of giving us more detail on the Koto itself. Yeah, because uh, the the female club member is kind of explaining to everyone how it works. It was a really good way of explaining to the audience as well. Because yeah. I know nothing about a koto. Yeah, I, I just know, know that it. I just know that it sounds cool. Yeah, like, it's it's like a stand-up string instrument. Yeah, with weird-looking picks. Also, I didn't expect those things to cost uh, like fifty bucks. Yeah, fifty a, bucks for per one person. set per person. It just uh, no, I don't um, want to spend that much. Yeah, that was really nice. Really, really cool seeing. Um, uh, kudo yeah kudo uh, seeing kudo and he, he like couldn't he's like all i got is like 700 yen or whatever mm-hmm. and she's like nah you cleaned it it's like you've repaired the intru- yeah. instruments so by the way so yeah but then but then his friends say so do you extend it off he's like, no <laughs> i'm not gonna extend it to people who don't really care so this so in this episode it makes about sense uh, it's episode three we get introduced to the stakes of at least the start of the series how or at least these next couple episodes so how do we get the Koto Club to actually establish themselves? Yeah, it's before it was the threat was getting enough members. Now they actually have enough members, uh, but now they have to play a piece enough to not. They they already decided they like they can't impress the the prince. They can't impress the, the vice principal. Yeah, vice principal. So they decided that they're gonna have to impress a bunch of other people in a public venue so you can't just shut them down yeah absolutely and i th- i thought that was actually really um uh, really well handled by crap i can't fr- remember the girl's the girl name. yeah <laughs> uh but just they, he was saying oh i'll give you a week and then she basically negotiates it no give us a month we'll... in her fake nice yeah everyone loves me personality. Yeah, exactly and now and then once she finally kind of drops the persona to the other three members I yeah, as that, soon as they were officially members, yes, like good. So I don't have to go. So I don't have to go easy on you anymore. Yeah. I I thought that was pretty well handled. Uh, the only complaint that I have really with this series so far is that the main character is not particularly <laughs> yeah, he's so forgettable. He like he the main character hasn't done anything in particular yet. His like Kurata is his name, but we haven't seen him do much yet. It's just sort of like he's the He's the thing kind of bringing everybody together for now. 
I think I imagine that once we kind of get more introduced to the other characters, then we'll start to kind of retreat inward and figure out his motivations more specifically. Yeah, I hope, I they, hope do, they do that. I hope they do give enough time to kind of make us care for each character individually. Because as it stands now, it looks like the three friends are going to be treated as one single character. Yeah. Really. Um, they're just kind of kudos friends that join the club. But it, 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 it's a club. Mm-hmm. Like I want to know about every individual member. Exactly, um, kind and of their each, motivations, like each person's motivation, like uh, it, like in it's sort of going back to March comes in like a lion, uh, just the idea of like each individual shogi player figuring out what they went through, like what made them who they are. That's it's a character driven show, so we want to figure out more about the characters driving the show forward. So I agree. Like, uh, I thought the one of the best scenes in this is like when. Uh, kudo was legitimately like he made like a he made like a koto out of cardboard so that he could remember like the string positions and stuff like that and figure out how to play in his own time and then he gave it to the uh, his three friends and he they kind of mocked the idea thought it was kind of stupid but there was like that scene where you saw like a you saw the the girl and kudo just kind of back to back against the same wall i thought that was a nice bit of uh visual storytelling and a just a pretty cool scene in general yeah he because you said, like, I'm making it to make her speechless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it turned out that that's actually what he did. For yeah, like exactly. A moment. He didn't he didn't see it himself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she, she, she was going to talk or you know, confront him, and then she just immediately ducked behind the wall. Yeah, exactly. It was it was a nice little uh, it was a nice little scene. I I really like this show so far. I'm yeah, glad I, we I, picked I, it up. I have high hopes. Going to keep watching it for sure. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing like the uh, the kind of drama between uh, the girl between the girl and her mother, and then also <laughs> I also want to point out it was hilarious like seeing that a bunch of uh, elementary school kids were like ridiculously good at yeah. playing the koto, <laughs> and that was her reasoning like well if you we could play something simple but you know what that would mean right and that means that they would just be below a bunch of grade schoolers. So next up is Midnight Occult Civil Servants. So we get a little bit more insight into the main character and what his and what his shtick is. Turns out he is somebody that actually just has the innate ability to understand the another's yeah, the, the ears of sand, yeah. as they as they're called. So we know more about of a, about his abilities, but doesn't have a lot of personality. Yeah, uh, that's yet. yeah, that's that's true. It is episode two. Yeah, so obviously going to give it at least one more episode. Yeah. To go on, but uh, I found myself kind of zoning out. Yeah, in this episode a lot. It was just kind of uh, I don't know about you, but it was it was just kind of boring to me. Yeah, I I could kind I can kind of see that and kind of sympathize with it. I I was kind of interested in like some of the like uh, some of the ideas they could be going forward with, but at the same time, like it feels like they it feels like they introduced like their their quote-unquote main antagonist a little too early because because what this series kind of reminds me of a little bit is like if we were going to go like a psychopath route for instance we would get a few like kind of isolated cases figuring out more about the uh the these this division what they do how they operate stuff like that before getting into the main plot it feels like they're kind of getting into the main plot a little too soon if yeah, that, there's like it's the second episode, and there's a very tense case that they have to solve. They have to solve immediately. And, and with this situation, you would either have to have a very interesting case that you could have the characters kind of be built upon that case. 
and or take the time to explain the characters first and then go into the case which i feel would have been a more uh would have been a better way to go about it because i think that because the idea of like this uh of this uh, chinese another i this kind of demon bird thing which actually was a pretty cool like it's actually a pretty cool like legend and stuff don't get me wrong but like its blood has the ability to make another's kind of like go berserk or something like that which that could be really interesting and could be like a pretty big deal the problem is they're introducing it like a little too early and they didn't really like kind of set up like any like sense of mystery like these another events have gotten a little bit out of hand we don't entirely know what's up yet like yeah. but we're slowly finding clues to figure out about this stuff and the they went through like a couple cases i think in this episode yeah uh they just kind of like zip 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 this is what happened yeah uh, that's the kind of situation i think they should have taken a couple episodes to actually you know give them a couple cases to to have some time to you know get you into the characters before moving on or, to or hell not even just the necessarily the characters just the the midnight organization themselves yeah, like yeah, figure out the what exact like what exactly they do how exactly they yeah, operate because all we got right now is just like okay this is uh men in black essentially yeah. <laughs> like there are it's like there are another it's like there are there are alternate beings like most like most people cannot really hear them or understand them which makes you wonder how long they like how long they've been able to do this anyway if nobody has been able to translate them like i could accept it if they had like a device or something that would allow them to translate but then it's a rare thing for people to be able to understand them naturally or something mm -hmm. like that but it seems but like there nobody can yeah like and so every once in a while or or hell, like, even have the main character have a special ability like that. It would have been more interesting if, like, it just kind of brings me the question of how have they been able to operate this long if they are just going off of intuition? Like, yeah, it's a little bit hand-wavy. Yeah, it's like, sure. that's how we're yeah. doing it. The, the main character, it seems like the only reason he's important at all is because he has this random ability. Yeah, which like okay like yeah he's, he's important to them mm -hmm. but i don't care myself really yeah it like, doesn't i want to know more about him himself i want to know more about like kind of going back to psychopaths the uh the main character akane sunomori who i will go on record and say she's actually one of my favorite female characters of all time for a few different reasons but kind of going back kind of just using her as an example she isn't anyone particularly special like she's like, the thing about her is she's got a stronger willpower than most, but it doesn't inherently make her, like, ridiculously special. This is something that anyone could feasibly do, but she's just sort of gifted in that regard. Like, it it feels kind of earned. Like, not just, oh, we have, there's apparently a person who just all of a sudden has this ability, like, and can is just immediately important to the it feel, he feels like more of a plot device or a MacGuffin than yeah. like an actual and we're in episode two it's a little early for MacGuffins <laughs> yeah which like if they if they want to personally yeah if they want to keep my attention they're gonna have to make him a little bit more interesting or just make the uh or just make the bureaucracy a little bit more interesting like, yeah like it's hard to make bureaucracy interesting <laughs> like don't get me wrong but you can do it well like understanding how the organization works like what exactly it is they do figuring out how they go about things i think the stuff they've done like kind of transferring it kind of sharing information with other branches and stuff that to me was fascinating like 
okay, we don't have information, but another branch of the of the uh, of the night shift basically know does know that. So let's consult them. That stuff I thought was really cool, but it just like kind of trying to figure out like like oh we have this sort of like a person who just is able to all of a sudden understand them that makes no sense once again if they're kind of combining the whole like uh, magic and science thing giving people like a device or like a potion or something to be able to make mo- to make these regular people or people at least who have the potential to see them be able to actually hear and understand them then I could stomach it a little bit better, but yeah, so one more episode, at, at least. Yeah, at least it, it, it might surprise us. Who knows? Yep. Next up, One Punch Man season two. So One Punch Man, the action scenes got a little better this episode. Yeah, I I will say that the some of the cuts with the Genos and um, Sonic fight it was a little cool. Like when uh, when Genos and Sonic were going around really fast and. Uh, it kind of showed him like get behind Sonic a few times. Uh, it it was kind of cool. Uh, obviously not One Punch Man season one yeah. worthy, uh, like but they... like I don't want to talk about that for the rest of the season. Yeah, like because if we're going because here's the thing we're gonna say like I as I said in last week when I watched the first episode, I recognize this is not going to be One Punch Man season one. It's just not gonna be as visually impressive. I know that going into it. Like, it's going to be hard to not compare it every once in a while. So, but I want to do that sparingly. Yeah, I say we should do our best going forward to not bring up comparing it to One Punch Man Season 1. Because I recognize it is, I recognize going forward, it is just not going to be the spectacle that the first season was. It's just not going to be. Like, I recognize that. And going forward, I'm going to, I personally am going to do my best to just kind of judge this season on its own merits which on its own merits so far it's doing pretty good like the content yeah like the writing the story, is still good <laughs> yeah the writing is still funny like the dialogue still reasonably snappy and cool and hilarious and just saitama just being kind of a deadpan like deadpan straight man to everything crazy going around him it's hilarious to watch just yeah i like seeing his uh we gotta see another serious series move Side-by-side jumping. (laughs) And apparently just him jumping side-by-side was just enough to blow Sonic backwards. Yeah, it's always interesting seeing how much of a gap that Saitama has between him and anyone else in the show. Like, even all these ridiculous, ridiculously powerful S-class heroes. Yeah. They're just like, they're nothing to him, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's downright hilarious. Like, it's a ridiculously funny, like, concept. Like... Just, like, the concept in itself is like, oh, it's a guy who can beat everything in one punch. That doesn't sound fascinating. It doesn't sound all that, like, okay, how are you going to keep my attention every week? Uh, But no, they managed to make Saitama an interesting character in his own right. Well, and a lot of what makes One Punch Punch Man interesting is the characters around Saitama. exactly. Um, like, Like Genos. He's, like, this super serious... I gotta get stronger. Yeah, he could have easily just been the main protagonist of any shonen series, and could have. Yeah. And, and he, he does play that role, kind of, yeah. like, of that like that that protagonist that has to build up and make himself stronger. But uh, he's he plays second fiddle to Saitama. Oh yeah, exactly. Who's... Despite the fact that he is, despite the fact that he's ridiculously powerful. Yeah, but... I, I think it's actually interesting seeing those bits with Genos because we see him over the course of the first season and this season. 
get slowly upgraded and learn more how to fight cooler. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, like I said, he does feel that, like, kind of power crawl feel yeah. of, like, where the main character just slowly gets stronger and stronger and stronger. Exactly. And meanwhile, and obviously he's trying to aspire to be, like, his master, like Saitama, who mm-hmm. has just, who apparently just had the, like, the ability to just get ridiculously strong just through relatively normal training. Yeah. Saitama's still a mystery. So, um... A uh, friend of ours brought up that uh, an interesting point that in this world, like villains become like superpowered villains based on their desires. Yeah. So, like uh, in the first season, there was like a guy like I ate so much crab, I became a crab monster. Yeah, exactly. I like cars so much, I became a car monster. Yeah, stuff like that. Uh, so he he was saying that uh, Saitama really, really wanted to be a hero. Like, mm-hmm. he tried so hard every day. He didn't stop training. Always did that intense regimen he had. So I think, like, his wish to be a hero... Materialized uh, and yeah. actually turned him into a hero. So maybe Saitama's a monster. Huh. <laughs> that that actually could be an interesting way of going about it, because we got also introduced to, at least as far as we can tell, the main antagonist, or at least main antagonist for this arc, uh, Garo. Yeah, uh, it was just... He is, well, right now he's ridiculously strong. He mm-hmm. took out an entire room of uh, criminals. Which... Who are probably about, who would probably be about on par with at least B-class heroes. Yeah, C, C, B, uh, there's probably not any A's in there. Well, we know there's not any A's in there because the uh, A-rank heroes were able to easily deal with all of them. Yeah. And they pretty much put them, in the, put them in their place. But the thing is, is that Garo was able to kill and or maim those three A-rank heroes like they were nothing. And then proceed to kill everyone else in the room. Well, kill or maim, it was yeah. kind of left open to interpret. Which he's, we know he didn't kill the um, important political guy. Yeah, he's he's an interesting villain so far because it's it kind of reminds me like sort of like somebody who's Joker ish, I guess. Like not Giving Joker up on society, not Joker from Persona. Just for the record, yeah. I mean Joker. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Just kind of clarifying from that. Batman. Yeah, from Batman. Just somebody who is, like, kind of embracing the insanity and, like, the chaos and just the monster that he truly is. Because he doesn't like humans. He likes monsters. And he wants to be his much to be a monster. And I think that's fascinating. Yeah. In its own right. I, I, I do hope they give us a little more information on him. Yeah. Uh, because all we know now is that he's just going around beating up heroes to power himself up mm-hmm. to uh, eventually... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't uh, know what his end goal is, really. We also know that a lot of people are talking about the supposed, like, a godlike uh, threat that's supposed to be, like, um, attacking the uh, world. That prophecy. Yeah, that prophecy that was brought up, I want to say, in Season 1? Was that brought up I don't remember. One? I think it was, but... Point being, there is, like, a huge threat supposed to be coming, and uh, people are getting scared, and that's why there were all these criminals there, and Garo just fucking killed most of them. Yeah, so the... What was the other bit? was, um... Something Blizzard. Yeah. I don't remember what it was. Uh, it was, um... Like, Manic Blizzard or something like that? Or... It was, a uh, Tornado's younger sister yeah which i thought it was going to be her older sister yeah just in terms of you know she's tiny and yeah because she's less tiny because yeah because she looks like a grown-ass woman but then her older sister looks like a lolly psychic which uh a sassy lost child yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> but the uh but yeah her biggest thing is that she recognizes that she will never go anywhere in a class she just knows that so she's kind well, of she she 
she tells herself that mm-hmm. because she she's not even trying anymore at this point or she believes that she'll never go anywhere yeah. with a class so she's totally content with being the top of b and keeping everyone else below her in b because she doesn't want more people to surpass her because inferiority complex hating her sister blah 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 yeah she's a good example of uh the main way this series is interesting is having all the characters around saitama and interacting with saitama yeah because those are pretty understandable motivations like yeah exactly she's wanted to be the best but she's like ever since she was little because her sister was so gifted she's never been able to really shine because her sister's always taking all the spotlight exactly so so she's just trying her best to may be somewhat relevant in this world of heroes yeah and the the thing about thing about saitama like yeah he's more akin to like a force of nature like but he is an interesting character also in his own right because yeah his motivations may not be necessarily like the most the most like deep or interesting but at the same time as I've said before, Saitama is, like, pretty much the epitome of somebody going through a midlife crisis, but he's, like, in his mid-twenties. Yeah. And basically, he's just kind of trying to find meaning in, like, basically a world where he's like, well, now what? And I think that's a pretty human, like, emotion, too. Like, when you've ascended to the top of something, or when you think that you've gotten somewhere, you're just constantly wondering, what now? What's yeah. the next goalpost? <laughs> Like, it's just constantly going to, like, a never-ending finish line. And Saitama is a, good, is a good character for that, a good vessel for it. It makes him relatable. What what will happen next week in the adventures of Caped Baldy and Demon Cyborg? <laughs> yep, the the two new nicknames for, the, for our heroes. So, next up is the Rising of S.H.I.E.L.D. hero. Speaking of heroes. Uh, <laughs> very, um... Pretty sad episode. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I, so going back to like the whole Rage Shield complaint I had, um, a while ago, I didn't really care about the characters at that point. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't really, I didn't really feel, uh, Nafumi's like rage, like why he was so upset about everything. Cause yeah. I, I just didn't care as much. I wasn't attached to everything. Yeah. You hadn't, you hadn't gotten as much of an attachment to them. You didn't yeah. really know, like, Raf, you know that Raftalia had, you knew that Raftalia had uh, had had a shitty childhood, you but and you'd been told that, and you could kind of infer that based on some clues. Here, we actually got context into what that was. Yeah, like and, what and exactly I, made Raftalia the person she is now. And also, by this point, I care about her more, so it, it definitely hit me a little harder seeing yeah. her go through this character because I, I care about this character, and then seeing her have this really shitty uh, upbringing and just being like uh tortured all the time uh and just her conflict of being in complete despair but also trying to smile the whole time yeah because her parents told her like you should smile especially more when it's a terrible situation to help other people feel better kind of it kind of reminds me of uh kind of reminds me a little bit of the disappointment of last season that was price of smiles like just trying to smile all the time yeah, yeah just trying to like make it through like basically like the fake it till you make it sort of approach which i think is a reasonable i think that's a reasonable reaction trying to inspire hope in people around you and that's what she was doing and ultimately by hoping by inspiring people around her she was going to help herself 
unfortunately, eventually it broke her because, like the scene when she was getting taken away in the cart, just the, I've forgotten how to smile. Oh, God. <laughs> so, so sad. Yeah. So sad seeing little Lolly Raftalia be yeah. just broken. broken. Yeah. yeah. It just, and seeing her get, like, seeing her start to get sick and seeing, like, uh, her friends start to get sick. Rifana, I believe her name was? Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, my God. Like, the scene when when she found out, like, the truth about what happened to Rifana, that actually got me a little choked up. Yeah. Not, not gonna I mean, lie. we all see it coming. We all saw it coming, obviously. But just but... the way they handled it. Yeah, like, you just see, you just hear her just bawling in the other room. And then, and then like, slowly, yeah. like, start to, re- like, and just sort of, like, the, like, the the little wolf boy, whose name I forget, like, had basically, she's like, well, where's Rifana? And just, like, that kind of solemn look on his face and just kind of pointing, like, he didn't want to, like, he... It felt like he wanted to say something, but couldn't bring himself to say it. So he basically was just like, you need to see it for yourself. Just, that's really, that's really the only, like, true respect I can give you. Yeah. And that's what it felt like to me. And that was sad. Yeah. Uh, the villain <laughs> um, uh, is super cliche. Yeah. How, uh, well, first of all, Raftalia was like, ah, I'm going to kill you. And Alfin was like, no. You'll just become like him. Well, no, she kind of came to that realization. On well, her well, own. he's like, "What can it do for you?" Yeah, and then she's like, "No, I'll, just be, I'll just be, I can't kill you. I'll just become like you." And I, he's like, "Ah, I fell out the window because because I'm an idiot. And my I, hubris, and I slipped on a and I slipped on a whip that I had left on the ground because I'm an idiot." Yeah, that whole spiel is like, okay, like don't get sure. me like don't get me wrong, like it's like the whole like the whole. I was actually curious what Naofumi would do. Like, and he kind of did remind Reftalia of just the idea that, well, she's become a much stronger person. She doesn't need to stoop to his level. But, I don't know. It feels disingenuine. It feels like they're just doing it because that's what has always been done. Uh, because, it, in in my opinion, it's a lot more interesting to see a character that's has uh, a kind of a lot broader view of the world. Because, uh, now, now Fumi, he seems like that kind of character. I, I think it would have been a lot more interesting in the situation if it's just like, yeah, kill him, or uh, because like, or just do what you'll. It's like do what you want. Like he should have just stayed by his do what you want philosophy. And exactly. Made... Like it just felt like it kind of went back to a generic. Yeah. Like, no, no, of... you have to be the good person. Yeah. You can't do that. Which I mean, it could have even just like he could have even said. He could have even said something to the effect of, eh, killing him would actually just be more trouble for us in the long run. Mm. It could have even just been something like that. Like, him basically trying to point him out as being, like, the more pragmatic character. Or even Raftalia sort of starting to realize, like, that just by being around him. That would have been interesting. But, yeah, the whole, no, I can't, no, I won't (laughs) kill you. That's, yeah, that was a little cliche. Yeah, um... But I wouldn't say that took away from the emotional takeaway from this episode. Um, but what, and then we get the whole, I'm summoning a monster. <laughs> this will totally go well for me and it won't get me killed in any way. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was going to get eaten. Uh, I was expecting him to get eaten. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody had like, uh, had somebody had dubbed over like that scene, like, and just included like the Monty Python theme. And then like when the foot crushes them, they just, <laughs> 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 like if somebody had done that it would have not surprised me in the least if 
somebody with a little bit more experience creating gifs and stuff uh someone do that please because that would be hilarious begging for memes on the internet you begging for people to make memes for you (laughs) yeah i i actually also thought it was interesting like seeing like raftalia's childhood and sort of like we need to make a flag to kind of uh we want to make a flag that represents our home and just that little bit where I'm sorry I couldn't make a better flag for you. Like, no, this is fine. Like, and her still holding on to that flag at the yeah. end. Just little. Uh, I, so uh, that that scene was very emotional for me and very sad. Um, why did he leave the skeleton in the cage? <laughs> I guess maybe he didn't need to use the cell. I guess not. Like, I don't know. Like, because reasons. That's a yeah. that's a good point. <laughs> I guess. Because we wouldn't be able, like, it would have been one thing if she had maybe been, like, still alive or something like that, and it had just been barely hanging yeah. on. I mean, that's a silly complaint that but, I yeah. have. It's, it's not really a complaint. Yeah, um, it's it's a nitpick. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So, we'll finally see the resolution of this episode. They're, they're fight the dragon thing. Yeah, fight the dinosaur. T-Rex. I, whatever the hell it is. Some ancient monster that was sealed yeah. beneath. <laughs> for, for plot reasons. Yep let's yeah let's what could possibly go wrong here next up robbie hachi so i was kind of right in the fact that this was a little bit of a space patrol luluko ask up uh, show like can i go to a different place every episode i think so yeah, yeah. that's it's what it seems like uh kind of th- little self-contained stories yeah this was all about them going to mars <laughs> so really quick it's episode two i I feel like I shouldn't like this show, uh, because the writing's not, not, it's nothing particularly groundbreaking. It's just kind of silly situations and silly characters. It's it's, but, it's really just silly and kind of yeah. over the top. But I'd say that it's just self aware. It's aware of itself and what it's doing, and it just is kind of it's strangely genuine about it too the the voice actors are doing it is or what's doing it for me yeah the voice uh, actors and the way they kind of bounce off each other yeah yeah they're way... they're so genuinely silly mm-hmm. about the situation and, and they they perform the situation so stupidly well yeah and... i i actually feel for them uh feel for the little robot assistant that robbie has because he is basically trying to play the straight man yeah. here <laughs> like just like will you stop arguing already like I'm not the bottom half. You're the. It's like I'm not the bottom half. Stop calling me bottom half. It's just that whole bit. Like, it's not like you said. It's nothing particularly groundbreaking as far as like humor and comedy goes. But it's it's just like there's something still kind Very of dry, refreshing. kind of slapstick. It's there's something still refreshing about it. It's just an enjoyable series to watch so far. Like I I agree. I don't think I should be enjoying it as much as I am so far. It's just fun. I'm also interested in Robbie's tastes in yeah. women. He's because apparently, <laughs> apparently he's totally okay banging a squid. Yeah, he's like, oh man, sexy lady, sexy squid lady. Yeah, but then even though they're in, I'm assuming their costumes are probably pretty well made. Yeah, they have to be. the uh, The interesting thing about this is that Mars is apparently just a tourist attraction. That's that's all it is. Like their whole shtick is that. That all the people, like all the people on Mars, are squid people. Turns out they're not really squid people. <laughs> they're regular people just dressed up as squid people. Yeah, I guess in this universe there was people living on Mars before humans. Got before there. had been completely terraformed, so they had to. Well, uh, no, it was, it was um, 
before humans were there in the first place at all. Mm. Oh like, yeah, that's uh, right. First contact was them just living there in domes. And oh going yeah, outside in suits that made them look like squids. And then they just like them kind of waving at them. <laughs> yeah, w- which that that also means that uh, their first contact with the universe was via humans from Earth. Yeah, because they're like, oh shit, we got to be relevant. So, uh, time to fucking bust up tourism and pretend we're squid people so humans will keep visiting us. Exactly. And I think that's a pretty, I think that's a pretty hilarious concept, especially when, uh, especially when Robbie and Hachi had a, a conversation about this before. It's like, oh yeah, they're all squid people. It's like, what year are you living in? It's like, <laughs> it's like that's not, it's like, that can't be true. It's like, that can't be true because that's just a thing written by H.G. Wells. Turns out, oh yeah, well, it is true. It's like, oh, they're actually squid people. Like, squid Gas station attendants. Yeah, selling takoyaki. Yeah. <laughs> selling takoyaki, but then you find out, oh, they're not really squid people. They're just people in costume. It This episode was just, it was goofy, but it was fun. Yeah, if, if the rest of the series is just this, I'd love it. Just them going to different planets, uh, different kind of sh- self-contained short stories. Yeah, little, like, different shenanigans yeah, and stuff like Robbie that. Robbie trying to go around and s- somehow make money and escape from debt collectors, and Hashi just fucking loving every bit of, minute, yeah, just, minute of it. Yeah, just loving the absurdity of every situation he finds himself in, because that's the thing about it. He just wants to find a life yeah, that he like, can't predict. Fuck yeah, I'm in jail yeah. on Mars! I'm going to jail! <laughs> I'm going to Mars jail! <laughs> so, uh, next up is Sutter's on my... Uh, let's let's start off with the elephant in the room. It seems like there were a lot of recycled assets this episode. Yeah, in the well, only in the action scene. Yeah, uh, but that was like it was almost a shot for shot, just copy of the first really impressive action scene. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot less impressive when you're watching it uh, the second time in a different episode. Like maybe maybe they're trying to make a point on that, like the whole like uh, because. They made an interesting point about it, like when it's like, "Oh yeah, collect the shuriki dama from people, and then you'll get this, you'll get this dish that'll grant you a wish." If like, and then the guy's like, "Oh, so can I act? Can I just uh, wish for like a year's supply of cucumber rolls? <laughs> Summon giant cucumber rolls." Yeah, that was a clever way of getting the first it was introducing the premise, but also just getting that out of the way so it wouldn't matter until next time. Like, really? and so kind of getting back to what I was saying, like, if it's kind of, if that's kind of the joke where it's supposed to be kind of the same and maybe even the characters start to realize this is stupid. Like, this is really just like, it's literally the same thing over and over again. Like, and just kind of realizing how mundane and repetitive their job is. Uh, well, uh, I mean, Haruhi did that with yeah. the MS8. And I don't think anyone liked it. The the the, the creators were like, "Ha! Look at this joke. It's self aware." Mm. I so even if they do make it into the joke of repeating that every episode, and they're like, "Ha ha! We repeating this every episode." It's I still I mean, have... I hope they don't do that for much longer. But uh, but yeah, that's the that's the one complaint I have about this episode. Yeah, like, I agree. Everything except that uh, short, like four or five minute, yeah, um, action sequence um, was great i, I yeah. love this episode and while and while i said before like it was impressive the first time and it was hilarious the first time because i wasn't expecting it just seeing like a bunch of little kappa boys just all of a sudden yeah. just start breaking into a musical <laughs> number I, I understand reusing like the transformation scene yeah because everything does that like every yeah, exactly. every magical girl whatever 
yeah um super sentai yeah exactly. they, they, they reuse the transformation scenes because it's like whatever if you do that you can focus more effort on the other stuff exactly but the whole fight yeah so no much. like it'd be actually kind of it actually would be kind of hilarious if like next episode or like an episode or in a couple episodes they say can we do something different about this or something like that uh, but, like as long as that joke doesn't overstay its welcome like the yeah. endless date did but the the yeah the the seeing more about, learning more about the characters was yes. is um the most interesting part of this episode for me uh just the the main character we learn how he because we we thought he was actually the idol yeah but he's not actually he's just dressing up as the idol and sending texts to his younger brother i'm assuming to make his brother happy yeah to cheer him up because he really likes the idol he's like oh, i'll just pretend to be the idol and yeah. uh and and make it make him feel important i imagine i don't imagine that's the the sole reason there's got to be more to it than that now there's definitely more to every character yeah like we're only two episodes in and we're we're just starting to kind of scrape the surface yeah uh i didn't expect the the edgy guy just to be growing and selling weed <laughs> i know right just uh, like that's that's weed isn't it yeah well okay so he keeps calling it herb. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's a translation thing or well, if that's like herb a... is a herb is a common way of referring to. It's one of the street names for marijuana. Sure, yeah, but I it could also be like a, we don't want to actually talk about marijuana in our show yeah. explicitly. Yeah, uh, but it could also be like this is actually catnip, and I'm just calling it herb to throw the audience off. Haha, it's a joke. Maybe because yeah, Nyantiro the cleverly named cat yeah. uh that uh was kind of just adopted had stolen adopted yeah yeah adopted i i um really quick aside i absolutely love how they use the the end of the action scene yeah to just go back and show us kind of more of what's actually happening yeah kind of like the the truth under everything else yeah i love that that's probably one of my favorite things about the show so far yeah but so far we've only seen it about kozuki like that is his name right or is it kozuki i don't know i have no idea so far <laughs> it's i think it's kozuki anyway so he is a so he, so far we've only seen stuff revealed about him specifically like the past two episodes have done that i don't entirely know the reason for this but uh it seems that he is at least for now, like the one they're focusing the most attention on because yeah. his first secret was, Oh, I'm dressing up as the idol. The second secret was, Oh, I stole a person's cat and pawned it off to my little brother and made it a street cat so that it could just be the neighborhood cat. And it would make my little brother happy. Yeah. He doesn't seem like a super good person. Yeah. Like a, well, good intentions. Sure. Like wanting to make people happy, but, but kind of steal someone's cat. Yeah, a little bit of a sociopath, which is hilarious considering the delinquent kid is just a downright psycho too, because he was helping his older brother waterboard somebody. Yeah, uh, I, I'm assuming his goal is that he wants to get his brother out of that life. Yeah, which uh, quick aside, uh, the mob brother, by the way, is voiced by one of our favorite, uh, one of our favorite voice uh, yeah, actors. His name I can never remember. Yeah, that, just Mister Giraffe. Yeah, the um, he, guy who voiced the giraffe in Red View Starlight, and among um, many other roles. Ogata. Yeah, and uh, one of the cats in uh, in My Roommate is a cat. Anywho, so that was so. Yeah, he probably wants him out of the wants him out of like the life the criminal yeah, life he's trying to make money to make that happen yeah in a pretty 
in a kind of messed up way himself. He's selling, he's manufacturing and selling drugs to people, it looks like. Uh, And then the main character, I guess he wants to make his brother happy. There's probably more to it than that. Yeah. But at least that's what we see right now. And then the the meek looking guy, he wants to be friends with the main character, but also maybe more than that, because at the end of the episode, he just kisses him. Yeah, I was like, what? And then they just cut out at that point. Just, yeah. I, I thought that was like, huh. Okay, you have my attention. <laughs> like, let's be fair. The show had my attention after the first episode because of that action sequence. But yeah. but that was just like, uh-huh. Interesting. Oh, um, cop scene. The cops doing the super gay dance. Oh, man. That was, <laughs> I love that whole... I love that whole thing. Yeah. Uh, they, I, it's pretty much confirmed at this point that they are the antagonists. Yeah. like uh, So they are... Desire is like the main driving force in this series is what it seems like. Yeah. And while the, the main characters are working with the Kappa to extract their desire uh, of the... When the people turn into whatever monsters they are. Kappa zombies, I think they were. Yeah, Kappa zombies. Uh, to just kind of calm the person down. Uh, these cops uh, seem to like blow it up they yeah. blow up their desire and make yeah. them turn into these monsters for whatever reason exactly it's... i think their their thing is people should embrace their desires yeah. instead of hiding them i probably like almost definitely and i wonder if that's going to be a thing for any of the main characters like they're going to try and pull that shit on them maybe so next up and last on our list we never learn boku ben eh, it's okay <laughs> yeah it's 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 a show that I can't call bad. Yeah, it's so I, far. Um, we watched three episodes, and um, it, elephant in the room. We're gonna drop it. Yeah, we're we are going to drop this show. It's, now that isn't to say that it's a bad show. Yeah, like, the so I like the premise of the two characters, um, ha- in situations where they are they they're good at something. They're really good at one thing, mm-hmm. but they. That doesn't necessarily mean they want to do that one thing. They, yeah. they Just because everyone says they're good doesn't mean that's... Like, yeah. It almost feels like they're going against the world. Yeah, which that's reasonable. And I think that kind of uh, also ties into the to the third girl, whose name I forget, but she like the tomboyish girl who wants to kind of be like a princess. and mm-hmm. But she was never... But she was always told, no, you can't do that. And so it's all about, I think, try, for at least the girls wanting to just kind of go against what people have constantly told them all their lives, which, that's an interesting concept. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, their personalities are pretty flat. Yeah, their personalities... <laughs> like it's, it, it's, uh, this show is just, like, hitting every checkpoint in the harem book of, like, generic harem. Oh, I, yeah, just, I walked in on a naked girl! Yeah, I saw that coming a mile away. It's just like, like, oh, no, it's like, oh, nobody's home, huh? Okay, I'll just go up the stairs. Yeah, as nope. soon as we got to that point. And he, they even, like, made, like, a tongue-in-cheek sort of, like, let's draw this out as long as possible. It's like, wow, the stairs are super soft. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's all, like, nobody could hear you walking up them. As like, soon as we got to the point where he was going to let himself in, I was thinking, like, okay, he's either going to walk in on her naked or walk in on her changing mm-hmm. or something like that. And, and that's exactly what happened. Ta-da! We called it. And just the main character himself is not particularly interesting. I am I'm kind of interested in the girls. Yeah. I am zero percent interested in the main character. Because he's he's pretty much every like harem protagonist yeah, we've seen. He is seen. a self insert and that's it. Yeah. He's he's about about as like bland as Keitoro from uh, Love Hina, which while I love Love Hina, 
Keitoro, at least in the at least in the anime, was super boring. Was he? No, yeah. I never saw it myself. Uh, I read the manga. Manga was fine. I like the manga. But here's the problem. The this guy, Yuiga, is just really uninteresting. Just he's just kind of a nice guy who's kind of pervy. He's smart, but he's had to work hard to get to that point. Um but there's real and he's got like he's poor and has younger siblings that he apparently has to take care of himself it's like okay so the fact that he can do all this is ridiculously impossible and would anybody really be that good of a person really like in spite of all this shit yeah (laughs) it it feels a little unrealistic i said this last week or the week before about the show uh, we recently uh, were coming off of um, quintessential quintuplets, quintessential quintuplets which, had, which which was a somewhat like a generic premise of, of a harem show, but the main character was just so fun to watch. Yeah. And he was so interesting and his personality just popped off the screen. Yeah. It's, it's sort of like watching any of the, uh, any of the key adaptation shows really because like, uh, like clan ad or, yeah, you've got a really interesting main character. Yeah. The main, uh, this, this guy and this in, um, in, in Bokuben just kind of feels like a budget Futoro. Yeah. (laughs) Because he's like that poor guy who had to work his hard way up. Yeah. Which, and Futoro, Futoro was interesting because he was kind of, he was kind of snarky and he was, but he also, and he kind of questioned like, you know, you're right. Why am I helping? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Like he was kind of aware of his situation. He wasn't just going along with it just because, oh, that's the right thing to do. He kind of questioned. It's like, yeah, you know what? You're right. What I'm doing makes no sense. Yeah. So, we're going to be dropping this. That being said, I would still definitely recommend this show to someone who is a diehard fan of just harem stuff. Yeah. Like, they're, they're, like I'm going to watch every harem thing. It's like, if you do, you're going to love this. Yeah, it's it's not a bad show. Like, for me, it is just a little bit on the generic mediocre side. Mm-hmm. Like, that. that's just me and Rex speaking. And I'm sure a handful of other people. But, yeah, if you like harem shows, then... This will probably be your cup of tea. So anyway, that's going to do it for this week of the Timesick Anime Podcast. We'll be uh, we'll be releasing this, and then shortly after that, we will be releasing our uh, our seasoned review of Winter 2019. So look forward to that. I we're gonna have a lot of fun with that. We have a lot of stuff to talk about with yeah, that season. Favorite this, favorite that, blah 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 blah. Spoiler alert! If you want to see, then you have to go watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You won't believe what happens next, etc., etc. Blah 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 blah. Clickbait. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, if you want to talk about uh, anything you noticed this week, anything you uh, you, know, you want to talk about what we noticed, go ahead and leave a comment below. If you're watching this on not YouTube, go to YouTube, leave a comment below, or Twitter. Blah 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 blah. Yep. Anyway, so if you want to just keep uh, tuning in every week, then just subscribe, like, comment, all that fun shit. And until then, anchor away. We'll see you guys next time. Take care of yourselves. When are you going to let me say the the catchphrase? I didn't know you wanted to. I want to say the catchphrase! Okay, say the catchphrase. No, no, it's cut off, cut it off, the video's over.